Heavy Hops is a Scorched Tundra production. You can access all our episodes with detailed show notes and information about upcoming events by visiting scorchedtundra.com slash heavy hops. Be sure to follow us on your preferred social media platform. Subscribe, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access podcasts. Thanks for supporting us and enjoy the show. The longer you play together with your kind of main band or what have you, you try to kind of constantly reinvent yourself and so much energy goes into trying to be different from what you have done before. Whereas starting something new like this with very familiar genre music meant that you could be very free about it. It doesn't have to be anything in particular. It doesn't have to be conformed to any rules. It just needs to fucking kick ass and feel good. Welcome to Heavy Hops. My name is Alexi. This week I'm in Studio Berserk in Gothenburg, Sweden with Mikael Sane vocalist and lyricist of the melodic death metal band Dark Tranquility, and also, recently, Grand Cadaver. Our conversation revolves around his newest project, The Halo Effect, whose lineup is rounded out by guitarist Niklas Engelin and Jesper Stromblad, bassist Peter Evers, and drummer Daniel Svensson. We discuss the band's premiere output, a single titled Shadow Minds, how the project came together, what it captures, and what it's been like working with longtime friends. Let's dive and get heavy. Mikael Stane, welcome to Heavy Hops. It's a pleasure to have you on the show again. Thank you so much for having me, Alexei. It's great to be back. And then uh, finally, for the first time, we're doing it in person. It's great to be in Gothenburg as well. Let's kick this off. You've teased this project on our podcast before, and now we can finally have a conversation about it. Let's talk about The Halo Effect, which is uh, your newest project, a different kind of undertaking than some of the other ones that we've talked about before. So who are you working with and who's in your band with The Halo Effect? Well, this is basically all my old friends from the area. You know, Gothenburg is small and it's always been very incestuous in terms of uh, members, you know, back and forth in bands. And and this was, I got asked by Niklas Engelin, who I've known since he, we played our first ever show together with this old band called Sark. They were called Sarcasm and we were still septic broiler before Dark Tranquility. So, so that's how far way back we go. And so he asked me like, oh, I want to do, let's play some music together. And I was like, yeah, sure, that'd be, be nice. I was like really uh, deep into the writing and recording of the latest Dr. Quilly album, uh, Moments. And, but I said, I, I'll be done soon. And or, uh, because I, I was still kind of in the mode of sitting at home recording and, and singing. So I was like, oh, send me some songs. I'll, you know, I'll see what I can do. And then Peter Evers called me as well. And I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to be a part of, of this thing with, with Niklas and it would be great if, if you can like kind of, we can do it seriously and we can probably get Daniel as well who played in In Flames as well and then maybe Jesper Strömblad as well and I was like that sounds fucking awesome like that's totally old school the way that it's, it's kind of like even though we never played in that constellation in the early days of In Flames but it's still kind of like I was there and and Jesper was there and then the other guys kind of joined later so it was kind of like all right yeah why not let's see what we can come up with and uh, so it's it's basically all the kind of old ex weird <laughs> members uh, of In Flames but for me it really is like Daniel was in my younger brother's class when we grew up so I started getting to know him because he got into death metal, you know, and he started his band Sacrilege that I really loved. And Niklas was always kind of like really, really proficient, great guitar player playing in Sarcasm and, and tons of other bands that I always went to see 
and we always hung out in, in the late 80s, early 90s. And Peter, of course, I knew because he was the brother of Anders, who has been my friend forever. And Jesper, I met like during our first ever shows in, yeah, maybe 87, 88 or something like that, hanging out at Valvet, which was the only kind of um, underground metal place here in, in uh, Gothenburg in the late 80s, early 90s. So, so it kind of made perfect sense. And when we started talking about this as kind of playing together, it's like, okay, well, what do we do then? Like, should we just kind of see if we can kind of pick up where we, not where we left off, but what we wanted to do back then and see if we can update it to, you know, with what we have learned and our, our collective experiences. So that was the kind of the idea. And it's been a blast just because, yeah, just being able to hang out with, with old friends that because of, you know, touring schedules and all the stuff in the in the recent 15 years or so, we never really get to see each other that much. But now we have. So it's it's been super, super, super cool. I think it's maybe important at this point to give us a little bit of a picture of where you all are from, because you're actually not from Gothenburg, but you're from outside of the city. So a lot of the people that you were that you were talking about, Niklas and Peter and Andash, this is like a very small community of people. It really was. And sure, we, we were kind of like 30 minutes outside of the city. Uh, so me and and Peter are from, from that area. Jesper and Niklas went, uh, and that was a kind of like 20 minutes away from us, basically. But so we all kind of converged in town, like close to where we are right now, where we hung out to, to go to shows and drink super cheap beer at um, uh, restaurants that would have 16-year-olds <laughs> serve them beer, that kind of thing. So, uh, so and, and that's really how it started. And also Daniel is, is from, um, from like the Kulavik area, which is close to Bildal, where we grew up. So, so that's the area. But So it was all kind of like suburban kids kind of converging into going into town to see shows and going to kind of youth centers where, you know, the local bands would, would play. Um, and that's where we hung out, where we uh, traded demo cassettes and live tapes with each other and talked about forming bands, you know. And so, of course, we have talked about forming bands hundreds of times, but it was 20 or 30 years ago, you know, so and now we're doing it again. So uh, it kind of made made some kind of sense. In a way. You kind of alluded to your personal histories and in some ways like your musical trajectories have overlapped and also evolved on their own terms as well. How has the music that you are creating for the Halo Effect kind of brought you together? You know, Nicholas uh, started writing a few songs just based on what he has and what he kind of digs. And, and I immediately felt like, oh, this is super cool. Like we're onto something here. It's super heavy. It's melodic. And it's all those things that we kind of grew up trying to do. You know, then Jesper got involved and he started changing a little bit of that or adding stuff to it. And we were like, okay, this is awesome. It, it feels, it doesn't feel new at all. It doesn't feel super different. But at the same time, why should we? You know, let's focus on the things that we we know best, you know, and try to kind of recapture that feeling that we had when we were kids, when we wanted to play together and that kind of playful atmosphere. Because the longer you play together with your kind of main band or what have you, you you try to kind of constantly reinvent yourself. Uh, try, And so much energy goes into trying to be different from what you have done before. Whereas starting something new like this with very familiar genre of music meant that you could be very free about it. You know, it doesn't have to be anything in particular. It doesn't have to be conformed to any rules. It just needs to fucking kick ass and feel good. And so that was the the, the starting point. And then I tried to kind of lyrically to, to kind of sing about or write about 
kind of how he was growing up and how we felt and what was the thing that drove us to that this extreme kind of music and and all those things. So it be, it became kind of a thing that we always talked about. Like, how, do you remember this? Do you remember that old show? Do you remember that venue where we used to go and long bus run that took us all the way to to that shitty uh, youth center where we saw those bands or whatever, all that stuff. So it it really became this partly nostalgia, but also kind of an appreciation for for where we kind of came from and and how things turned out. You know, I do want to talk about the lyrics, which is something that's important to you. But let's hold on the musical point a little bit for right now. The first single, Shadow Minds. Tell me a little bit about the music there and what that particular song sort of uh, expresses sonically. It was one of the the first songs that we wrote because we decided like, hey, let's record a few songs, see if it works, see how it feels, see what we can come up with. So we recorded like three songs. And Shadow Mice was one of those. And we were really happy with all three of them. And we were like, this this feels great. Like, I don't know how to... Because everything was written really fast. So Nicholas had written some really fast. We went into the studio. Jesper put his spin on it. And I, I kind of wrote some lyrics in, in a day or in a couple of hours. Sang like a demo version, sent to them. And they were like, all right, cool. Yeah, let's record this super fast and see, see what happens. Then we recorded a few more songs. And we actually... And we couldn't decide on what would be the, kind of like the first single because when we initially recorded these demos, it was just a way of for us to present something to like a label, you know, see if someone is interested. So we were like, okay, but what song will, is most representative of this music, this band that we hardly even know yet, you know? But we so we played five songs to a bunch of friends and people in the you know who who work in music or whatever. And and they all kind of agreed. Yeah, yeah, this is probably the one. You know, this this feels uh, um, most kind of representative of what we are. And I think it's just you know it's a really intense song. It's melodic. It's heavy. And it's the first song that we eventually finished where we felt like okay, this is probably like this is a good direction. This is good way of kind of moving forward and and if we can have the songs like you know be at least this kind of quality but in a different way then we should be fine you know and so that that felt good it was just um like a great starting point like starting off with something that we were instantly very proud of and we felt like this is this is going to be a song that's going to stick for a while that's an interesting point of choosing something that's most representative for something that's in like a very sort of neonate form. I want to know a little bit more about selection process or what were the values that you identified as important in order to make that selection? I think part of it was that it had to feel good, like first and foremost, like Nicholas is that kind of guy. Peter is kind of like that too, where it's like, if it feels good, then it's good. You know, like, let's not overthink it too much. Let's not, you know, go into every single detail too much because then we will eventually screw it up. So we started out with very kind of straightforward songs. And if it didn't feel good, then, okay, we could fix it maybe. But more likely we would just go like, ah, let's move on to the next, you know, that kind of thing. It has to feel instantly. And, it, and of course, part of it is that we have all this experience, of course, of, from having done this for so so many years that it has to feel good. And if it doesn't, then... Yeah, then it, then it's not really there. So I think um, when we did have some friends in the studio, when we turned it up super loud, we had some beers. It's like, what does feel good? Like, what makes you want to have another beer? <laughs> you know that that kind of feeling. So we went with that kind of like it has to be. There's a certain groove to it. It's heavy. It's and it's catchy. Whatever, and it it feels good. So that that has been yeah an important thing uh, in choosing all the songs that we have recorded um, and the album. The the songs that end up on the album as well. It's like it feels good like it's all there it doesn't have to change the world but it should feel 
great, you know. That's an interesting point about collective intuition. This is a group of people that this like collective intuition has come about through a different kind of osmosis than when you're playing with a band, right? How different was it to go about selecting those songs than with a group of musicians that you have a different kind of intuition with? Or did you find that it was actually pretty similar because your starting point was sort of the same from early on? Of course, we, we've known each other forever and all that stuff, but it was way easier because, you know, as we DT, when we do it, something, we just have to like, okay, but we have all this history, all these expectations, all these um, definitely just expectations from for ourselves and also from an audience and from record company and all that stuff. Whereas here, we didn't have any outside of ourselves. It's just like, do we feel this is good? Are we happy with this? Does it feel the way that we wanted to feel? Like when we first demo the track, you know, if, if it was good then, it should be as good now or better. Otherwise, there's no point, you know. And that's so that was kind of like the guiding idea to if you still get that feeling that, that when you heard it the first time, you know, and you still get it or you feel that it's even better now, then fantastic. Then we can move on, that kind of thing. So in that respect, it has been very liberating to work like this, where it's just very simple criteria for <laughs> if it works or not. It's partly because of the way that Niklas and Jesper writes and Peter as, as well, like uh, instinctively kind of like, yeah, this works, this doesn't work, let's change things. And also the way that we worked in the studio, we worked together with Oscar, who is like a, just a great kind of producer and he's very open to ideas, but also has a lot of cool ideas as well. If And he feels like, yeah, I love this groove. I love, And he's a drummer as well. So he could kind of, in the writing process, he was constantly there just to kind of improve things and make sure that it feels good and the groove is there and and rhythmically it it makes sense so uh, so that made it easier as well just to have someone to bounce off ideas with constantly and uh, and also as we demoed songs early on it also meant that we could listen to it have it at home and play it to friends and it's like how do you feel about this and it's like yeah cool this is cool all right moving on you know then we could just proceed so to speak very easy compared to anything that I've done in the last <laughs> many years just because with without that uh, expectation we didn't have a, a record deal we didn't have anything so we were just like let's let's record something see see what happens you know yeah a different type of weight or lack thereof of expectation probably for everyone in the group as well because so many people have come from backgrounds where there was a certain weight of expectation whether from the industry or from the listeners as well yeah of course and and that's as great as that is to be in a place where you can build up that kind of expectation, it's it's awesome. But it's also great to not have it and, and just really focus on having fun together. Just talk about great bands and music that we love without any prejudice or anything like that. And if we do something super different from what is expected, we can just go like, yeah, that's it's cool. We keep it. See if we use it or not. It doesn't matter, you know. So that the process, even though we, yeah, we were in the studio for six months or something like that seven months almost everything was very open very kind of open to ideas and and changes and suggestions and so it's very easy that way let's talk a little bit about some of the lyrical topics and your sort of process of approaching this what did you want to sort of accomplish with this project lyrically what were you setting out to do Initially, I didn't really know, and um, but what I realized that since we talked so much about kind of how we grew up and what was important back then, what fascinated us about death metal and thrash and, you know, this extreme metal was, you know, the iconography, like um, uh, imagery, 
covers, lyrics, you know, the way things sound and the way people look, all that stuff, you know, all the cool stuff. And it's like, and what does it do to us, you know? And then, of course, like all of us have, or me and Niklas and, and uh, Daniel and Peter have kids in kind of similar age groups. And you're still thinking like, my daughter is 17. Like she's the age where that I was when, when we started uh, playing seriously. And it's interesting to see like what, what she's going through, what her friends is go, are going through. Like, what is it that they gravitate towards? What is it that kind of defines them, you know? Because metal defined me, you know, when I was from 14 till now, <laughs> you know, and onwards. And it's, it's all I think about and, and talk about and do, you know, it's all I know, basically. But it became such a huge part of our lives early on or immediately, basically. It was just like you hooked into it and it never lets go, basically. But of course, there were other things as well. It was, you know, going to school, being an outcast, being the odd man out. You know, I, I went to school in a very super nice district in another town over just because I lived on the other side of the border, um, like another county or whatever you call it, which meant there are no other metalheads at all in school like you know and all the bullying and all that stuff and this kind of outcast feeling you had and feeling of that you don't really belong at all kind of strengthened your kind of love for for this music and for the lifestyle and for yeah everything surrounding it and i know how it was for for peter for instance and daniel and and nicholas because we talked about a lot how how they kind of grew up and what it was like in their neighborhoods and their schools and how their parents reacted all that stuff so i'm i'm trying to kind of somehow take inspiration from that when writing and, and kind of where we ended up and how things got out of hand at certain points and how we we still kind of managed to maintain some some kind of normalcy through all this craziness and that kind of thing so that that became a starting point just a what is it that has driven us to this point you know and what was it about being young at that certain period in time that just changed everything for us and how much it has meant. A lot of the lyrics that you've written for Dark Tranquility, for example, are more of an observational standpoint. And so now you're looking at, I suppose, experiences or looking at the experiences of people that are close to you. Yeah, I realized I had to do something different and to kind of have a, a different starting point, you know, instead of especially coming off of, of just writing like a, <laughs> like 15 songs or something like that for, for a detail album. I, I really need like a big change in, in kind of perspective. In order for for this to feel different, also be you know to be inspired again, and uh, so that was the starting point. And that meant like as soon as we were in the studio or when we just hung out, just talking about that thing, it instantly gave me a lot of ideas what to write about. Was there anything that you, in light of looking at the subject at different subject matter and having a different kind of reflection, does this mean that you've also adapted any of your approach to how you deliver those lyrics? Yeah, I, I realized I wanted it to be, in a way, positive. I tried to kind of channel my frustration when it comes to Dr. Huillet lyrics, whereas this is more like an appreciation for what it is, but also trying to capture that feeling of loneliness, baby, growing up and how, how it felt to be different and um, and how frustrating it was to not be understood and that kind of thing so it's but it's a so it's a different kind of frustration and and something that you're totally over you know and you've gone past but you could still kind of channel it or remember it and at the same time like yeah trying to at least find a like a positive thing about it like how we can come overcome it and how we can persevere through it and that kind of stuff you're listening to heavy hops We'll have more from Mikael Stane of The Halo Effect in a minute. 
There are a few things happening in the world of heavy hops and Scorch Tundra I want to share. Live music is back. You can find tickets at scorchedtundra.com slash tickets. We've also created a crowdfunding source for all things heavy hops and Scorch Tundra. If you love what we do and want to support us, find the donate link in the episode notes and give what you'd like. Giving any amount will grant you access to our growing Discord community. Thanks for this moment and back to our conversation with Mikael Stane of The Halo Effect. On the visual sort of presentation of the project and the artwork, how did you go about sort of defining a style for that? Or where were you looking? Where did that start? It started in many different places. It was probably the most um, most difficult part of this uh, was how do we kind of, what should things look like? You know, because in DT, it's always been me and Nicholas doing all the artwork or the art design. Mostly Nicholas, but I've been always been there but it's my friend since six years old you know <laughs> so so that's always been easy you know no matter what we've done over the years and what Nicholas has done so finding someone new to work with and also but also have like an idea of what it should look like initially we had a few kind of artists and visual ideas in mind and we contacted a few but it didn't work out and then I started talking to proper you know, media firms. It's like, oh, let's see what they can come up. You just, it would be great if it was totally different, but totally works. But what I found out the hard way was talking to someone who's in, you know, advertising, let's say. They're, you know, fucking amazing at their job, right? And they knew all about it and studied and, and all that stuff. And we started talking about like, okay, like a logo, like a band logo, you know, the halo effect. What should that look like? What kind of font? What kind of, you know, look should it be? And talking to someone who doesn't, hasn't lived with metal for 30 years. It's like, maybe we can come up with something fantastic, but it means you have to kind of explain. It's like, all, all you know is that I don't want it to look like fucking metallic or Megadeth or, or death or uh, immortal, you know, or anything like that, but it should be unique and special and cool. Where do you even start, you know? So that was difficult. I think I talked to maybe seven different designers or more. Uh, an artist just, you know, like, hey, give me your idea and then and of course, in, the, in turn, they asked me, he's like, oh, what did you have in mind? It's like something very cool, very unique, <laughs> special and, uh, and original. You know, it, it should look like nothing else, but also be very reminiscent and be obvious. And you should immediately understand what kind of music it is, yet different from anything else. What I'm hearing is that it's difficult to communicate something that's intuition. And it's difficult to communicate in a two people that are used to hearing about visual components in like maybe a very technical way. And you're coming at it from a totally like intuition standpoint. And you're also coming at it from the experience of working with someone that you grew up with so your framing is totally different yeah and, and i realized that it's important to work with someone who knows all these things who've seen every single fucking metal logo in the world and seen all the covers first and foremost so they know what not to do right so we ended up working with a, a british guy called adrian baxter and i saw his images on instagram and I was like, I love his style. It's very dark. It's very metal, but it's different from the most obvious, most kind of cliched things. But it still has that sense of danger and the cool aspects of metal without being cheesy and without being gory or anything. But there are skulls, there are symbols and all that stuff. But there's very um, uh, symmetrical that I really like. So uh, when I started talking to him and he was just like, oh, like, let me give me a couple of days and he sent me an idea for the cover for the the first single for Shadow Minds. And immediately I was like, all right, I think we have it. 
And it's like, okay, but you, can you actually do like a band logo thing? It's like, and he was like, nah, I don't normally do that. But then I send him like all the different ones that I've done, all the different ones that all the other guys that I've talked to have done. Like, okay, so this is where we are right now. And this is my idea. And I just said like basically what I kind of like and what I think would be kind of cool. I'm shit at, you know, using Photoshop and that kind of stuff and Illustrator. But I, maybe I can kind of at least present an idea but I can never really finish it and make it look as cool as I want to. So I sent him some of that. And then he was like, oh, wow, I'm, I was inspired. And in like one hour, he returned to me with, with uh, like a finished logo. And I was like, yeah, that's what we're going to use. It's perfect when you find someone like that who, who gets it. And I don't have to worry about it. I can just go like, all right, we need a, a cover for the next single. Like, go nuts. All right, anything in particular in mind? Yeah, include some of this and that. All right, cool. Let's go. And it's, it's such a weight lifted off my shoulders because that was really, really difficult. And I, and of course, I know, I know I'm very picky about those things and I'm uh, very particular about what I like or what, at least what I don't like. And it's important to me. You know, I, I, I love collecting albums. I love uh, collecting T-shirts and art. I love artwork for metal albums, you know, in general. It's a huge part of, of why I'm so passionate about this kind of music. So, um, so it, it was important to find something that totally fit and i think now we have definitely an interesting process of creating this like common language with the artist of what getting them to understand what you think is cool and what your values are because that's important for the art to communicate that exactly and just because i send them like all the music that we had and like a, and like a music video and stuff like that we've done and, and all the stuff and it's like this is where we are this is what we do and he started kind of researching some of the kind of the background and he of course knew the bands that we've been in and all that stuff so it's like all right I, I think i get it you know even though you know it's it's very similar to his kind of his style like with a touch that that makes it different that stands out very very cool as far as video and other sorts of visuals that we're going to see how are you going to communicate this aesthetic through that or is there a different sort of aesthetic approach that you're going to have that is different from the logo and the artwork what can we expect? Well, the first video was uh, recorded very early on, like before we had anything, before we even recorded the album. So we did a video uh, for a demo, basically. That was just uh, like the start of the pandemic. So it was obvious to kind of keep it at home. Basically, <laughs> It's like, why not just shoot Gothenburg for what it is right now? And, and at the time, like what was so striking about walking out in the city was that it was empty, you know, for the first time ever you, you walk on streets and nobody's out everybody's home especially like the first couple of months you know like it was eerie we figured like okay let's capture that you know this kind of emptiness in this in the city and then just yeah try to make it cool and we we found a, a guy that I, i've seen he'd done a few kind of commercials and cool adverts for for bands um and, sh and short clips of live shows and stuff like that it just looks super cool so so we hired him and and he shot a lot of kind of effects footage of gothenburg in kind of a decaying state and stuff like that and so it's very apocalyptic and 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 very cool you know we did it like in a day but it turned out really cool and it's mostly kind of effects work and just to set a tone of something very post-apocalyptic <laughs> you know and then the second video we did was which is uh feel what i believe it's it's more of a performance video but it's it's also kind of like rundown city but it's it's mostly just us performing together and i think more than anything that was something that we talked about earlier because we haven't really played together even though we've known each other forever 
like Peter and Daniel have obviously played together and Jesper has played together, but then Nicholas and Jesper have never played together, that kind of thing. And, and all of us have never been. So, so it was important to kind of capture that as well, like us in a room playing together, because that's what we want to do the most. You know, we haven't had a chance to do that properly. We can do that in the studio, but not in, in any other capacity. So, so that's what we wanted to capture and video sort of difficult you know what, what do you do and how many people actually watch those things you know and and how much should you actually spend on, on things like that but i think it turned out cool the, the videos that we've done have been great and we're probably going to do another one or maybe two i don't know so was performing together for the performance aspect of a future video how is that different from recording in the studio with a bunch of people that you've not played with professionally it was just like you know standing together in a room even though we were lip syncing or you know faking it it was kind of like performing you know <laughs> and especially now since not having been on a stage in two years that, that was special, you know, just, just that, that feeling of, we, we were like, hey, this is as close as we can get to a show right now, just being in front of cameras. So it was pretty sweet. That was important to kind of capture that feeling of kind of being together, playing, performing. I think for a lot of people during the pandemic, they saw videos of their cities being empty and it was a very unique experience. Is there a tie-in between that and then some of the emotional component of what you're contending with lyrically? It, of course, affected, you know, I tried, I, I didn't write specifically about that, but of course it, it changed so much in, in how you think about things. We started to think a lot about what it is that drives me to do this, you know, after all these years, after more than 30 years. And especially now, since being away from touring, being away from fans, being like, which is normally something that, you know, which is just highlight of the year, where you can go out and actually meet people and, and perform and meet all your friends. And now that you haven't done that such a long time, it's like, I've spoken to a lot of people who have started to rethink their priorities, because it's easy to get caught up in something and you just stay with it. You know, you just keep going, keep going, and you never stop to think about what you're actually doing. Whereas now this this been this unnatural pause and this kind of career, this life um, style, whatever. And it had forced a lot of people to reconsider their choices. And and for me, I kind of doubled down on it. I realized that this is exactly what I want to do. This is precisely what I, I want, you know, and I want to do more of it, you know. So starting this project right as I was finishing the last DT album was like perfect. Just oh, I'm not going anywhere. I don't have to worry about being bored at home. Now I can just like throw myself into another project and just go all in. And that felt great. But at the same time, like I realized this is like this is what I want to do. So I think that aspect kind of got into the lyrics as well, just because like how, how much it means to me, how, my, how much this is a huge, huge part of who I am. Not necessarily the distancing and the the weirdness of the world right now, but more how priorities have kind of not changed, but kind of solidified my priorities. Now I know exactly what it is that I want. On the point of performance, what will this band perform live and what kinds of expectations should people have? Is this something that's going to go on tour? Is it going to be predominantly focused performances? So the way I see it and I think it's going to be the thing, we're probably going to do festivals next summer, so 2022. And then after that, we will do kind of limited touring. We, I mean, we're all very busy with all kinds of stuff. So we're going to do kind of focused tours, you know, where we do a couple of weeks here, a couple of weeks there. You know, it's not going to be six months or two months or whatever, but we're going to tour as much as we, we can, you know. And I can't wait. I really want to be on stage with, with these guys and, and see what, what we can come up with. You know, it's going to be a blast. The way they play together, from my perspective, just seeing them 
play together is it's amazing. They've been doing it for such a long time, especially Daniel Peter. The way they play together is just amazing. So I, I cannot wait to be in front of that and on a stage and um, that I really look forward to. So yeah, that's the idea. Of course, we're on a tour, but we'll, we'll see how much and, and in what capacity. But for me, you know, I'm, I'm ready for it. And as I said, like my priorities are just like, let's let's go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why not? I'm, next year is going to be insane already. I know that it's going to be more time away than at home for sure. But I think um, everybody's kind of deserve some time away from home <laughs> for a while. You know, well, I want to talk a little bit about the mediums and sort of the way that people are going to experience this Shadow Minds and the Halo Effect single. Is this going to be something that comes out on a coaster style compact disc or are we looking at vinyl? Why is medium kind of important for this project? It definitely is. And there will be vinyl. Nicholas and I are big collectors and enthusiasts of the medium, so we wouldn't have it any other way. We wouldn't release anything if we if it's not on vinyl. So the first single is coming out on, I don't know if it's going to be 10-inch or 12-inch, but we're going to press it here in, in town. There's this uh, pressing plant that is awesome. The B-side is a remix version of Shadow Minds, which is done by... Ishan of Emperor fame, and he's done a great job. Uh, so, so that's going to be final. And then the album, we're not sure just yet what it's going to end up being. It's going to be a cool package. And we already talked about like all the different options, what we could do and what we want like to do. So really look forward to doing something super cool that you want to have, you know, and hold and, and collect and, um, and all that. So it's, it's super important. Now, of course, there will be CD as well. I think CD is still huge in Germany and, and obviously we're on Nuclear Blast and Germany is a big market for them. So there will definitely be CDs. With the personalities involved in the project, I think any bystander would imagine a larger label to pick this up. And you mentioned Nuclear Blast as your partner in that endeavor. How did it come about that you chose that partnership? Of course, we knew Nuclear Blast. Um, and the boss for Nuclear Blast is my friend Jens, who used to be boss for Central Media. So he kind of switched over to the dark side, so to speak. And uh, it would be interesting to see what they think. So we sent them the video for Shadow Minds and he signed it on the spot. He has still not heard anything more than that song. <laughs> and uh, so they're very happy. It's great because they have faith in this project and they know they could kind of trust us and they know it's going to be cool and fun and, and interesting. And we've been kind of holding on to this secret of this band for, for a long time, you know, until now. It's been kind of a challenge. It's been more than a year where we don't talk about it, you know, <laughs> just because we wanted this reveal to be kind of um, special. You know, we wanted things to go like, hey, what the fuck? This is cool. And for the label and for management, like to be able to start a new band like this with uh, known musicians has been something they've been looking forward to. You know, it's like as, as a fun project to do. So that has given them a lot of like enthusiasm to, to kind of push this. So that's been great, you know, to do it like this, you know, because it's it's the first time for all of us to, to, to kind of launch a new band. I want to widen out the conversation a little bit. I imagining that this group may be characterized as a super group at some point. How do you feel about that characterization? That is weird. I, th I think. I mean, there are definitely super groups, you know, that you know where where it's just like different famous people from different famous bands come together, and it, they do it because they are famous, and it makes sense for some management or some record company or something like that to put them together, or they know each other, whatever. This doesn't feel like that at all. If people say it's fine, and you know, everybody wants to categorize things, but for us, this is just 
as I said, like this is old friends playing together because we have time finally to do it. You know, the kind of pandemic has given us this kind of opportunity to reconnect with old friends and, and do things that we've always talked about, always kind of like, hey, it would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, let's see. And it never happens. And so many conversations like that have been had over all these years. And now finally, it's just like, yeah, this works. You know, we can do it. As we kind of wrap up here, do you have any sorts of final reflections for our listeners? It's been an interesting time, right? You know, even though it's been miserable and, and, and horrible for, for a lot of people and for everybody in different ways, I'm glad that at least something good can come of it, even though it's death metal or whatever, but that you're able to kind of find what you really love and really focus on it and make something uh, that couldn't have been done under other circumstances. Like this would have been a demo that we would have, you know, played to friends and that would have been it had this not happened. So because of, of all the time that we all of a sudden like had on our hands, then we were able to do something cool and fun. And, and I'm really happy about it. I hope that a lot of other people have found cool things to do as well, like interesting things to do instead of what you normally do. That, and it kind of works in this kind of environment. I guess like you have. Definitely. I think that there is a certain power of being able to say yes to things that has allowed you to express your creativity in a lot of different ways. I did like a music for a video game as well. And I, I was like, of course, I want to do that. I'd love to, love to. But I realized uh, it's not going to happen because I won't be able to do it. So I, I only did like a small part of one song. But then once this started, it's like they asked me, oh, can you do a couple more songs? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. And that's going to be awesome. It's coming out, I don't know, <laughs> probably winter, around winter or something like that. But still, super cool thing that I wouldn't have done otherwise. Well, Mikael, it was a pleasure having you on Heavy Hops. Thank you so much, Alexey. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.